Blog Talk Radio. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the annual Whistleblower Summit. We have a panel there on guardianship abuse and family matters, and uh, we have a permanent spot. Thank you, everybody. Anyway, before we get cracking here tonight, we've got a very special guest uh, coming on with us. I want to say something about this faked up virus thing. I think the CDC has schizophrenia. Uh, two weeks ago, they said less than 9,000 people who had been tested positive for this virus that they claim they can't even identify. So how the hell do you know it's a virus? Um, less than 9,000 people actually had it. But somehow 160,000 people died from it. I just don't know how that could possibly be. They just came out with a new prediction that this fall, 200,000 people are going to die. Now, what we did was we subsidized the hospitals and doctors. We paid them uh, $12,800 for every diagnosis of COVID, whether they tested for it, they actually had it, they didn't have it, they had heart disease, diabetes, you know, terminal cancer, and whatever they died of, because the minute they were admitted for COVID, They suspended all other medical treatments so that patient could lie there and have a heart attack right in front of them. They would not move to assist them. So they die and they write on their COVID. And when you see the dispersal of funds to the state, the subsidies for them to do this, and the instructions from Health and uh, Human Services about how to massage the death certificate um, so that it said COVID, no matter even if they had these underlying health problems. This thing is a faked up mess. 60% of all of our businesses, the down on the bottom, not the big corporate Walmarts at Home Depot and all of them, but mom and pop independently owned, the ones that drive your local economy, have disappeared never to return. Now, you need to think about all of this and then look at what they're planning on doing with this so-called vaccine. And the, the thing is, uh, with, the, with the vaccine, it's got a nanogel in it that will actually spread throughout your body and make it possible for computers and other things to communicate with you. Imagine that. Being human is not enough. Um There is so much more going on here, so much more than what you think is going on. And if you people don't take those stupid masks off, I swear I'm going to run down the street and just start smacking heads. Uh, This is idiotic. This is a a psyop. And what those masks do, it makes facial recognition impossible. And now that doesn't mean anything to the state, but to you and I walking down the street – that person you're looking at with the mask on because your mind does not recognize that as a human face 
we tend to not recognize it as human. You get the picture? And if you don't have any symptoms, why in the hell are you putting this thing on? Um, I've been through a lot in my life and seen a lot in my life, but this has got to be the most god-awful worst thing that has been perpetrated on the American public in a long time. And if you now we're not just anti-vaxxers, we're, we're virus deniers. Please shut up. Anyway, my co-host this evening, as always on Monday night, is John LeCron. John, say hello. Good evening, Marty. Yeah, all I can say <laughs> is this, folks. If you haven't figured out that this is a psyop that makes 9-11 look like a uh, casual day in the neighborhood, we can't stress this enough. This is all about the global economic reset. And yes. Do some research into it. You've got Pete talking about it now. You know, it's not going to be on CNN, NBC, ABC, or Fox as a general rule. But there are real people out there, including the former vice president of the United States Corporation, talking about it. Okay? You can also go and do your own research with regards to just type in Global Economic Reset. It will pull up a nice little video from the World Economic Forum. You can see the big picture here. Just be aware that changing the system over. But, Marty, I really don't want yep. to spend much time on any of this because yeah. right. I'm here. I'm excited about John Gentry here, okay? <laughs> John has been my friend for a few years now. Um, I am apolitical. It means I'm a political anarchist. I don't participate in it. Yet uh, I'm very pleased that this man is my friend. He's running for the Tennessee State Senate in District Number 18. He has been an advocate for judicial accountability. He's been an advocate for young people abducted by uh, the Department of Criminal Services. He has been in their face, meaning down there at the state legislature, raising a ruckus, which is exactly the kind of personality I just love. He's been calling for court reform. You know, his website, uh, wethepeoplev50.com, highly encourage everybody to go to it. And uh, his, I love this, right of remonstrance by address. I am the first Tennessee ancestor year, 1850. 1850, Marty, to exercise all right to remonstrate. That's to protest unconstitutional wow. conduct of the government. Gee, like we haven't seen that for about 150 yeah. years, right? Yeah. With a petition right. of remonstrance, properly received and recorded in journals of both the House and Senate of Tennessee General Assembly. This right is our most important right protected in the Tennessee Constitution, Article 1, Section 23. This right belongs to every citizen, and of course we call citizens slaves, but that's beside the point. And I am already working hard as a citizen to restore this right to all Tennesseans. You too can exercise this right. So without any further ado, John Gentry, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thanks, thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, I watched several of your uh, videos today. Um, you're quite the warrior. And, uh, you know, to get up, you, you, John, I wanted to ask you, when you get up, like, in front of the House and stuff in Tennessee and these legislators, what seems to be their actual response? That I'm always watching the people you're speaking to when they show them to try and read what their reaction is to what you're saying. What is, how do they react? You know, much of it is camera. You know, when when a person is speaking or when I'm testifying, yes. most of the time the camera is on me, but I'm I'm watching them. Uh, my last testimony was shame. Uh, there was shame on their faces that you know what is happening yeah. 
to the people being abused by our corrupt court system. They're ashamed of it. Um, yes. They, you know, the, the, the process of this, they're never going to, you know, vote in, in, in favor of what I'm advocating outright. Uh, they're, they're never going to mm-hmm. give me credit for any of this. And I, and I don't care about that. What I care about is, is restoring justice. And that, that, that is exactly what my fight is about, is restoring justice. You know, if you look at the, the preamble to the United States Constitution, it says, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice. That is the purpose of our state and federal constitutions, is to establish justice. And the definition of justice is the fair treatment of the people. And so that's, that's what my fight is about, is restoring the, the fundamental uh, aspect of justice to all citizens. Um, yeah. We can't we can't have justice if we don't have fair courts, and we can't right. have fair courts if we don't have judicial accountability. You know, if if you're walking into a courtroom and that judge is not accountable to the Constitution and he is not accountable to any oversight, then you cannot expect justice to come out of that that proceeding. So. That's why I am fighting to restore accountability. So when citizens' uh, rights are violated, their right of due process, right to be heard, right to present evidence, you know, all the things that the Supreme Court have said are essential to due process, you can't have that if you don't have a fair judge. And so the, the right. heart of my fight is, is restoring accountability to the judiciary. And that's it's fundamental to our form of government, the check of one branch over the other. But there isn't any check no. of the judiciary no. by another branch of government. And that is the fundamental breakdown. And they're supposed to be. It's in the state yes. and federal constitutions that the House has the sole power of impeachment. And in the Tennessee Constitution, Article 6, Section 6, that judges can be removed by concurrent vote of both houses. It's clearly legislative power to oversee judges. Right. But the houses, you know, through attorney members of the bar, as members of the houses, they have legislated, and through that legislation, they have surrendered legislative power to the judicial branch. And the judiciary has usurped legislative power. And that's an alteration of our fundamental form of government, which was a grievance in the Declaration of Independence. So by, by transferring the power of legislative oversight of the judiciary, our government, our fundamental form of government has been altered. So the other piece of this is you cannot have justice if you don't have a voice. If you can't stand up and say, I've been wrong, I've been, I, I, there has been some injustice to me. If you don't have a voice to do that, then you also can't have justice. And that's where right. the right to petition for redress of grievance by address or remonstrance comes in. That is the voice. That is the power of the people. And that right has been oppressed, like you said in the beginning of the show. For, you know, I'm the first person in 170 years to exercise that right in Tennessee. And I'm the first person in the history of this entire nation to assert my constitutional right to reform my government because my government is acting in violation of state and federal constitutions. So, you know, the fact you, that I'm the first person to do this since 1850, the first person to petition for redress of grievance, is prima facie evidence that that right is oppressed. 
And and the government, I, you know, in doing that's forsaken its Republican character. I'm getting messages from people here, and I've been getting them over the last several weeks that they had no idea that their state, their respective state, had its own constitution. So I had people asking their kids who are still in like high school, have you studied the constitution for your state? And I'm finding the answer is straight across the board, no. And well, you know, that, I don't I don't John, I don't even remember Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. That that is the fundamental breakdown is our is our government has oppressed our knowledge by not teaching us what our rights are. You know, in, in the in the Tennessee Constitution, it says that the members swear to, they swear an oath to to support and uphold the Constitution, and and for the Constitution to not be taught in our in our our primary secondary schools is is prima facie evidence that the government is oppressing our knowledge. I I go out mm-hmm. and and talk, you know, whenever I'm invited. And one, you know, one of the questions I always ask is is how many people even know that we have a state constitution? And yes. it is disturb it is disturbing to me that many people do not even know that we have a state constitution. And in Tennessee, right. Thomas Jefferson Thomas Jefferson said the Tennessee Constitution is the least imperfect and the most republican. And it, and it is if you look at the Declaration of Rights in the Tennessee Constitution, it is far better than than the De- than the Bill of Rights in the federal Constitution, and that's that way in many states. The Texas Constitution says that citizens have a right to petition for redress of grievance by petition, address, or remonstrance. And and okay. you know the the United States Constitution, First Amendment, it just says that that citizens have a right to petition for redress of grievance. And, and this is a this is a you know the United States Supreme Court in 1876 U.S.C. the Supreme Court said the right to petition for redress of grievance is fundamental to our form of government, and nobody out there until I started doing this work knew what that means. What does it mean to petition for redress of grievance? It's a constitutional right, like free speech. It's in the First Amendment, free speech. Freedom of religion, right to petition for redress agreements. Nobody knows what it means or how to exercise that right. But how you exercise? Wow. Well, first, you know, you have to have a grievance. And the definition, Black's Law Dictionary, a grievance is discrimination or oppression. And oppression, they're talking about oppression of constitutional rights or human and natural rights. You know. All rights are not defined in the Constitution. We clearly have a right to breathe. We have a right to procreate. The founders didn't think it was necessary to enumerate every right. What they did is they enumerated the rights that they knew that the government needed to protect, like free speech, freedom of religion, and the right to petition for redress agreements. So, but if any right is oppressed, any human or natural right is oppressed, uh, then you have a right to petition for redress of grievance. And, and nobody knows, and it is our most powerful, it is more powerful than the right to bear arms. And wow. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a perfect example of why the, the right to petition for redress of grievance is more powerful than the right to bear arms. I was a force recon Marine for eight years. I know how to fight. 
I, I'm a small arms expert, uh, uh, small demolitions, uh, I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable, uh, small unit warfare, small unit tactics. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely knowledgeable. I know how to fight. If I had it geared up and put on body armor and, and loaded up with an N16 and, and t- 10 or 20, 30 round magazines, and I walked into the General Assembly and demanded reform of my government, you know, I probably would have taken out a lot of people, but eventually they'd have got me, and the media would have discredited me as a lunatic, a mental case. Instead, I did a petition of remonstrance, and I held the attention of the entire House of Representatives. That's powerful, and you can't do that by taking up arms. And if you try to take up arms, you know, surveillance software, anybody trying to organize out there, and they would quickly be uh, all rounded up and incarcerated for insurrection. Uh, but the right to petition for redress of grievance, it is powerful. It, it is our most powerful constitutional right. And I am working so hard to educate my people to start understanding what this right is and how to exercise it. And, and, wow. and how, to, how to exercise it is you write up your remonstrance or your petition. A petition is seeking favor. A remonstrance is a formal written protest against government policy or government officials. And, that, and when it's a formal written protest, it's against unconstitutional conduct of government, oppressing rights, discriminating, or a government acting in violation of its state or federal constitution. And so you write that up. And you say, here's the facts. Here's how I was discriminated or oppressed. Here's how the government is acting in violation of the Constitution. You make your argument, and you state the redress. Remember, the Constitution says petition for redress of grievance. Redress is not I want millions of dollars like a class action lawsuit, like our corrupt legal profession has perverted our law. Redress means make me whole, make things right. So you have to state what is the redress that you want. You have to be very specific. This is the action that I want the General Assembly or the United States Congress. If that right extends to the federal government as well. Uh, and, and then uh, that, that petition, you hand it to a, or that remonstrance, you hand it to a member of the House or the Senate, and they have a duty to file that with the, off, with the clerk's office of the House or the Senate. And then that petition, it's in House in, in Tennessee, it's in House Rule of Order 15. Uh, before a petition shall be received and read at the table, a brief statement shall be filed with the clerk. So the member writes up a brief statement. He said, here's what this petition is about, you know. And, and I have done research in the Tennessee archives uh, where, you know, representative so-and-so presented a petition on behalf of a citizen or a large number of citizens. And they would read that petition at the table, and then the House would resolve that it go to one committee or another. The committee would deliberate, discuss, and then they would make a recommendation back to the full body, and then the full body would vote. Every citizen has a constitutional right to go to, to, to the United States Congress or to your state legislative houses and say, I want all of you to consider this, deliberate it, and then vote yes or no. We have a right to do that. And everybody, that right is so oppressed, nobody even knows what the right to petition for redress agreements by address or remonstrance. They don't know what it means. And so 
that's what I'm about is is I'm restore I'm working to restore the voice and the power of the people and to restore justice by restoring the voice of the people. Okay. I have a I have another uh, message here, actually two or three of them. Um, you had written about the difference between a democracy and a republic, and could you explain that for people who don't understand? <laughs> I would love to explain that because it really annoys me when 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 I see this garbage coming out of of public figures and politicians saying we are a democracy, we are not. Uh, in the United States Constitution, Article 4, Section 4, it says the United States shall guarantee a Republican form of government. It did not say the United States shall guarantee a democracy. It says a, the United States shall guarantee a Republican form of government. So form of government. Uh, that language, the original language was proposed by James Madison. It said the United States ought to guarantee uh, that was objected to by the governor of Virginia. They had further discussion, and they came out, shall guarantee. And in support of the final language, and this is in Eliot's debates, where uh, Eliot was an author, he wrote down all of the debates of the ratifying convention. And, and he said, in support of the final language, Edmund Randolph, who was a lawyer from Pennsylvania, uh, he said, no state ought to be able to transform itself into a monarchy. We, we went through that crap with Great Britain. We don't want a king. We don't want a monarch. Right. So, and, right. and clearly, based on the language, they're talking about form of government. We know from Edmund Randolph that we're not a monarchy. Uh, and by default, we know that we're not an oligarchy. Oligarchy is rule of the few. We're not rule of one. And we're not rule of, few, of the few, and we are also not rule of the many. A democracy is rule of the many. If we were a democracy, every citizen would vote on every bill. If we were a democracy, we would not have an electoral college. Uh, what is so now? What is a republic? And 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 we look to the Supreme Court of the United States in early 1800 opinions, and what they said is. Uh, uh, whether, whether a state is Republican in character or form is based on its constitution, and that's for Congress to decide. Whether, so in the, in, when states were applying for statehood, they would draft up their constitution, and they would submit it to the United States Congress and say, we want to be a state. And Congress would look at the constitution. They'd say, Utah, no, you can't have bigamy. Rewrite your constitution. We're a Christian nation. Take out bigamy. Uh, Nevada wanted uh, indentured servitude, and they said, no, we went through that crap with the British crown. We're not doing that in this country. Take that out. Uh, the southern states had slavery, and they said, no, we're not going to do slavery. Take it out. Uh, so whether a government is Republican is whether it has a Republican constitution and adheres to the constitution. So if we're not a monarchy, we're not an oligarchy, we're not a, a democracy, Who, who's the ruler? And that's where the term rule of law comes from. The law is our ruler. And we, the okay. people, establish our supreme law in our state and federal constitutions. So in effect, we rule ourselves by establishing the law. 
in our in our state and federal constitutions, and all the state statutes and federal statutes cannot violate the supreme law of the land. Um, what else is a, a Republican form of government? So it's rule of law. Uh, it is a government that adheres to a constitution that is Republican in character or form, and it is a, uh, a government that upholds the rights of the people. Those are the three fundamental aspects of a, of a republic, uh, a, a, wow. a government that adheres to a constitution, rule of law, and that upholds the rights of the people. That is, that are, those are the fundamental aspects of a republic. Uh, it, is, it is ridiculous to me for people to suggest that we are a democracy uh, because so, so here's, here's a perfect example of why we are not a democracy. If we were a democracy, then the, the supreme law of the land, whether a statute is constitutional or not, would not matter. Because if we were a democracy, a democracy is, is rule of the many. So if the many decided, you know, some law, whether it's constitutional or not, would not matter. Uh, so absolutely, we are not a democracy. We are a republic, and God help us try to try to restore the republic because we are not a republic right now. No state in this union is republican in character or form right now, and we we all have to start doing our part, testifying, attacking the head of the snake, these judicial oversight agencies. We all have to get out there and start remonstrating and exercising our First Amendment right to petition for redress of grievance. And if we can do those two things, if we can restore judicial accountability and if we can restore the right of remonstrance, we can begin to restore the republic and heal our people. Wow. Another thing, John, that really um, just gets all over me, it really does, and that is these doctrines of immunity. I don't know where or how or why the federal or state governments would have accepted this judicial bunch deciding among themselves and voting, yes, that you can't touch us. Whatever we do, it's, it's well, okay. And I heard excuses no, made even by this. Go ahead. There's a reason. There's a reason for that. Um, you know, you can't tie judges up you know, with, with lawsuits and, and, and going after them. So this is what the founders, it's in the Tennessee Constitution that uh, 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 judges can be removed or impeached. But once they're impeached, uh, after they're impeached, then they can be tried for their crimes like any other person. But the breakdown is that, that the, the, the state houses and the federal houses have surrendered the power of impeachment. They have not impeached a judge since the 1960s. Uh, and, wow. and, 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 and according, based on that fact that we haven't had a judge impeached, what, 40, 70 years, 70 years. And mm-hmm. we all know that there's rampant corruption out there, but none of them are ever impeached. And because they're not impeached, in order to sue them or try them for their crimes, you have to remove the immunity. And the only way to remove the immunity is to impeach them first. And the founders, okay, you know, what, the founders put the, they put that in there for a reason. What about the non-delegation doctrine? I challenged um, the Department of Justice here a couple of years ago over 
uh, a bill that they had sponsored. It's written by Grassley's office. The bill was worthless. And nowhere in it did it mention the topic was supposed to have been guardianship abuse. And nowhere did they mention it. So I got into a huge fight with them. And when the final version of the bill came out, at the very bottom of it, it said miscellaneous. Um, that uh, they were handing lawmaking over to the DOJ to develop model legislation. I blew up, went after him again, and I said, under the non-delegation doctrine, you cannot delegate your lawmaking powers to another agency. You can't do that. And so well, I've never seen anything so, come out. But go ahead. Well, here's 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 where it comes. And I have to look up. Uh, off the top of my head, I believe it is Section 518 out of Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure. Uh, if you know, if you go to the United States Congress, uh, they have expansive rules of order. And, and by the way, Rule 12 in the House says that members shall receive petitions and file them with the clerk. So that right of remonstrance, that right to petition for redress of grievance, is in the United States House of Representative Rules of Order. And, and in the U.S. Senate. Uh, it says before the Senate will consider it, consider a petition from a citizen, the president has to sign it and file it with the clerk. But for the House, every petition shall be received and, and filed with the clerk. Uh, but but uh, under the state legislatures, uh, they do not have expansive rules of order like the United States Congress. There's a very short rules of order. But what they do mm-hmm. – is, they, is the state legislators put in there and they say anything not covered in our House Rules of Order or our Senate Rules of Order, we're going to refer to Mason's Manual of Legislative Procedure. And there's a couple, I'd say 80, 90 percent of the states use Mason's Manual. Some of them use Roberts as another manual of legislative procedure. Right. But in, Ma- in Mason's, in 80, at least 80 percent of the states use Mason's section, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's section 518. It says that uh, matters that require discretion cannot be delegated to any member, committee, or other body. It has to be considered by them. So anything that okay. requires discretion uh, cannot be delegated out and it is in their own legislative rules and procedure. Okay. Yeah, I, this, and I think that's another problem in all this, too. This stuff becomes so convoluted. And so tangled up and is just never ending. Uh, you you couldn't possibly absorb all. Well, of it. you can. And you can. You can. Uh, it just it just takes doing a lot of homework. I mean, I think I have a very good understanding of civil rules of procedure, rules of evidence, uh, judicial canons, ethical rules for attorneys, uh, legislative rules, the Constitution. You know, I've just spent a lot of time educating myself. Yeah. Well, and that's where all of us are at that do what we're doing. It's self-education. But my, I think my point is, John, it should not be this complicated. Uh, someone had to realize that, you know, out in the public, well, you're trying to make a living day to day and you don't have time. This is why we have these professionals. Uh, otherwise, if we could all... Go ahead. Well, here's... Here's here's where that came from, and uh, this all started uh, uh, in, in the early 1960s. Uh, in, in in 1949, 
uh, or attorneys used to bill, you know, based on the service they provided, how much their client could afford and how much the client thought they should pay. That was the billing practice in the, in the that was around okay. 1949. Uh, by 1960, the big law firms in Chicago came out with the time is money concept, and that's where attorneys now bill, you know, in tenths of an hour, six-minute increments, or most of them are in 15-minute increments that they bill in. Uh, wow. And, and as, as a result of that, it naturally took longer to get things done. And so then mm-hmm. attorneys started creating rules of procedure. And, they, and it was specifically to complicate the process to make less what laypersons could do for themselves. And okay. this has extended to what you're saying in the legislative houses. It's who's got attorneys that have gotten into our legislative houses and that have created, you know, all of this so that it is, it is next to impossible, you know, for the average citizen uh, for, mm-hmm. for a layperson to go get justice because it is so complicated. And, and so then you have to, you know, then you have to hire an attorney if you want justice. But then they decide, you know, whether they're going to give you justice or not, as long as it doesn't right. infringe upon their power or their own, you know, pecuniary interests. Uh, so, you know, it all comes down to the bar and the judiciary uh, complicating this mm-hmm. process so that the average citizen can't get justice. Wow. Mr. Lacron, what do you think? First of all, you know my attitude. Don't call me Mr. That's a pedal for a slave, and Lacron is a surname that doesn't identify me. You know better than this, Marty. Actually, Sean, I'm loving what I'm hearing. Uh, my take on all of this, okay, you have been exceptional, not just good, not just great. You have been exceptional in your efforts to uh, expose the corruption and to bring accountability where it needs to be brought. You know, as people, we have forgotten that we have unalienable rights, and they are trampled with impunity, which is, of course, a very annoying thing for all of us that are trying to hold some parties accountable for not, their crime. Not, not forgotten, oppressed. We have been oppressed in our knowledge. Well, however it wishes to be placed, oppression of knowledge yeah. is, uh, by definition, how they get away with oppressing us physically and emotionally and mentally and all of the things that have taken place just in the last six months, which reeked the high heaven. But again, that's for a different show and another subject time. Um, John, I just want to sit back and continue to listen to you because, brother, you're just doing a bang-up job. You know, everybody needs to be paying very close attention because what he's telling you, just because he lives here in Tennessee doesn't mean that you folks can't do the same thing in whatever state of corporations, uh, geographic area, um, y'all are living in. Because, again, truth and knowledge are the key to overcoming what we're experiencing right now. It's that simple. Um, in my court paperwork, I also use the Tennessee State Constitution uh, talking about uh, – what uh, the people have all the rights and uh, tyranny is not to be acceptable. So once you start actually calling them out for what is taking place and holding their feet to the fire, they can't sit there and say, well, I didn't know anymore. So, John, just keep on firing those salvos, brother, because you're making an impact. Well, it, you know, I I did a talk down in, in Chattanooga and um, I, I made the statement, and I believe this, Tennessee is ground zero 
uh, for restoring justice to, this, to, to restoring justice to the republic and restoring the republic. Tennessee is ground zero, and it's because we have the best constitution here. I, I I've said this in in various speeches. The constitution is our shield and our armor, and the Declaration of Rights therein is our sword. And I am armed for battle, and I am taking it to them. And any citizen that wants to stand beside me, uh, I encourage you. And, and together, I can't do it alone. I have to have the people beside me. Uh, but when I have enough people, and I'm, I'm pretty close to that right now, I reach about three-quarters of a million people in Tennessee alone. And, and you know, once we have the people behind this, uh, then we're going to get the change uh, we we have to restore government accountable to the state and federal constitutions, and that's that's how you reach the people. Is, is you know I never talk about being a victim of corruption. I talk about how government is in violation of the constitution. Remember, I said earlier the constitutions were established for justice to to ensure justice. That is the that is the fundamental purpose. You know, they said it to, to form a more perfect union and establish justice. That's why we have constitutions. Our founders did a fantastic job of ensuring that tyranny never happened again, that oppression never happened again. But the problem is, is that nobody understands the Constitution because it's not taught to us. The state constitutions, I've looked at several law schools, they don't even teach the state constitution in law schools. So attorneys don't even know. So we have to go back and dig in the archives and understand what they were debating when they wrote the Declaration of Rights, when they wrote the Tennessee Constitution. We have to understand why they wrote it. And then we can make our argument that the government is in violation of the, of the Constitution. You know, like, like these, you know, in the 1970s, we had an incredible problem with corruption. And as a result of that, they enacted 42 U.S.C. 1983. Any person that violates your rights under color of law is subject to civil suit, including judges. Uh, but it was trickery, and that was to satiate activists back in, in, the, in the early 1970s, saying, oh, look, we enacted a statute to take care of all your complaints so that if anybody violates your rights, you can now sue them. But it was trickery because you're going to the judiciary. The judiciary is courts of equity in our chancery courts, and they're courts of law for torts and criminal conduct. Uh, the, the legislative houses, they all have hearing rooms. So they have hearings in our legislative houses. You see it in the United States Congress with the Trump impeachment. Those are hearing rooms that they have. Our legislative houses are courts of justice. Uh, but, but what has happened is the judiciary has, has deceived us into thinking if you want justice, if you want equity, uh, then you're going to have to come to us and you're going to have to pay an attorney. And that's what they want us to believe because the judiciary, the legal profession, wants all the power. But the real power, the real justice is found in our legislative houses. And what we need to do is to encourage our, our legislative houses and the members uh, to have courage 
and to take back the power that was given to them in the Constitution. And, and whether that's an appeal to their hubris and their arrogance or uh, an appeal to their patriotism and, and moral standard, uh, I don't care. But we have to get our legislative houses to take back the power of dispensing justice. That's why the Constitution says we have a right to petition for redress of grievance. The, the North Carolina Constitution says that you petition for redress of grievance to the General Assembly. It's clear in the, in the North Carolina Constitution that you go to the legislative houses for justice. Uh, but we've been deceived to think that we have to go to judges and that we have to pay attorneys. That is false, and that is deception. And that is the fundamental breakdown of our government. It is the breakdown of our republic. And we have to start encouraging our, our, our members in the House and the Senate to, to uh, I almost fall back to my Marine Corps language when I talk about this, so, but uh, I'm glad <laughs> I didn't. But, but uh, you know, they, they, they need to start showing courage, uh, and they need to start standing up to the judiciary. And right now, you know, uh, uh, half of them are, more than half of them are just cowards, and they won't do it. Uh, uh, a, a large percentage of them are just stupid and ignorant and have no idea uh, of the power that legislators have. And then, uh, you know, 20% of them at least are corrupt and, and part of the legal profession. Well, this is just um, this thing about being forced to hire an attorney. I've seen so many people go into court, and they're told they want to represent themselves, and they're ordered by the court to hire an attorney. Do you? Well, what what you is know, your? A, I, I hear I hear so many times in the courtroom. You know, they they come up and they try to confound you with rules of evidence or rules of procedure. And then when you don't know the rule, they're like, oh, well, you should have hired an attorney. I cannot tell you how many judges I have heard that from. I heard it in testimony. Um, uh, I, had, I had an attorney member of the House, uh, Representative uh, Martin Daniel, and, and he said, well, if you want to abolish the Board of Judicial Conduct, you should hire an attorney. And I said, you know, I would hire an quite capable of representing my uh, and but that's what they do. Oh, you got to hire an attorney. You know, judges yeah. under judicial canon are are supposed to be knowledgeable in the law. I don't need an attorney to explain the facts to you or, or explain the law to you. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to know the law. That's why you're a judge. Uh, the the attorneys can remind you of what the law or what the statutes are, but you're supposed to know it. My job is to present you with the facts. Your job is to give me justice. Uh, but they come back and say, no, no, you got to follow these rules. Uh, Tennessee Constitution, justice is not for sale, delay, or denial. And when they start citing these rules saying, you know, well, you can't have a trial by jury uh, because you didn't do it on, on your coverage page and uh, you didn't do it within 15 days after filing a complaint. Get out of here. You know what that is? Yes. That is oppression of an inviolate right to a trial by jury. That's what that is, and your rules are unconstitutional. Okay. Uh, but that's, All right. you know, that's what they do. It's just like hire, hire an attorney. Well, you know, yeah. you, 
are are you just do you just not know your job? Is what I say to them. Okay, uh, we have a, a note here from Michelle, and she wants to know if there is a legal basis for mandated Bill Gates vaccines, and what rights do we have? Well, uh, are we? You know, not all rights are enumerated in the Constitution. Uh, we have, you know, we have a right to breathe. We also have a right to decide what we put in our bodies or what we don't put in our bodies. Um, and 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 the founders didn't think that it was necessary. Uh, the government does not have lawful authority under the Constitution uh, to infringe on a right of a person to decide what they put inside of their bodies. Uh, I, I don't care. I mean, there's plenty of argument out there as to why vaccines are, are effective or ineffective, uh, you know, going both ways. But I argue the Constitution, and there's nowhere in the Constitution uh, that says that, that government can, can force you to put anything in your body. And, and I'll go back to the Tennessee Constitution. Uh, in, the, in the Tennessee Constitution, Article 1, Section 25, and let me let me see if I can read this exactly because the the language of Section 25 is very important. Just a second, I got this on my desk. Uh, that no citizen of this state, except as uh, are employed in the army of the United States or militia, shall be subjected to punishment under martial or military law. Here's the important part. That martial law, in the sense of unrestricted power of military officers or others to dispose of the person's liberty or property of the citizen, is consistent with the principles of free government and is not confided to any department of the government of this state. So martial law, Black's Law Dictionary, is exerting power or exerting some form of power uh, over civilians on domestic territory. And, and it's also martial law is military control over civilians on domestic territory. But the Tennessee Constitution uh, says, or others. So uh, martial law is by military officers, but the founders in Tennessee put in, or others. Or others is everybody. And they said it's not confided to any department, not confided to the legislative branch, judicial branch, or executive branch. And it's inconsistent with the principles of a free government. Uh, so they said to dispose of the person's liberties or property of the citizen. Uh, your liberty to decide what goes in my body and what does not. Uh, and then the last part, uh, or, or, or the, the first part of unrestricted power. Unrestricted power is these executives and the governors uh, issuing mass mandates, or executives in the in the in the county commissions, uh, the mayors, uh, these county commissioners is, issuing mass mandates. That is unrestricted power because there's no check of one branch over the other. It is single issuing, okay. uh, the, the, it, you know, stating the law. 
and they cannot, they don't have that power. It is unconstitutional under the Tennessee Constitution. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't know what okay. the other state constitutions have in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, and that's the thing, too. I've watched all this stuff come out, and <clears throat> there are provisions in every state constitution, very nearly, <clears throat> that says under no circumstances can the government do what they're doing. In other words, the shutting down of businesses, uh, forcing people to stay in their homes, wearing the masks, they don't have the authority yeah, to do all, that. No. It's yeah. unrestricted power. It is martial law, and it is inconsistent with the principles of free government. Right. They can't. They cannot. And I, I, they cannot do it lawfully. And I'll be, I'm going to be raising this issue with the Tennessee Supreme Court. Yeah, I just uh, this whole thing has really rocked me, and I think John, what has bothered me most, is that on its face, this is all. Just absolutely ridiculous. The idea that so many people are going along with this, and it's like, you know, I want to jump up and down and scream and say, what's the matter with you? You're getting played. What's wrong with you? And, you know, you you see people walk. Go ahead. Here's the the thing, Marty. I I do not engage in civil disobedience. You know, if they come out with a stupid mask mandate, I put on a stupid mask. I don't. I don't. I, I feel. I feel annoyed by it. I don't like it, but I do it. Uh, but but what I I deal with this properly. I'm not going to subject myself to a fine or incarceration over just standing up for my rights and not putting on a mask because I know I'm going to go in front of a corrupt judge and I'm not going to get justice. So why you know it's I think it's stupid to to uh, protest in that manner. It, you know, if you feel strongly about it, file a remonstrance with your Tennessee Supreme Court. Okay. You know, if if if, if, yeah. if you think it's if you think it's unconstitutional, use the method that the founders put in there. I have a grievance. Yeah. The government doesn't have lawful authority to shut down my my business. I have a grievance. The government doesn't have lawful authority to put a mask on me, or force me mm-hmm. to wear a mask. Uh, and so you complain that way. I, I do not agree with civil disobedience. I think, you know, if they come out with this stupid stuff, just play along. But get off your butt and protest government. How can you – okay, I've, I've got a, a, a problem here. <laughs> I refuse to put on a mask. Absolutely refuse. And well, that's great. That's not an act. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If what they're doing, they have no legal basis to doing, to do, or to order me to do. If they have no legal basis, no authority to do it, how could I possibly be civilly disobedient? Well, of course, legally, they have no lawful authority. They have no jurisdiction. They can't do it. But what you're just you're causing yourself problems with the government, you know, when you civilly disobey like that and just say, I don't care, I'm not doing it, what are you gonna do about it? Well, they're gonna do what they said they're gonna do. They're gonna fine you, uh, they're gonna incarcerate you, and you can't fight if you're in jail. You can't fight if they garnish your bank account or your wages to to pay these fines. So you learn how to fight. Uh, and you, you go into your legislative houses and you go into the courts 
and you say they don't have lawful authority, and I want a, a declaratory judgment from the Tennessee Supreme Court uh, that the governor, the mayors, the county commissioners do not have authority to do it, and you put their feet to the fire that way. And you okay. say, I want, I want a declaratory judgment that this is never going to happen again, that they don't have authority to do it, because I don't want my kids going through this crap. Yeah. That's how you wow. fight, you know. Do, you know, not putting on the mask, that's the easy way. It's the same thing, you know, these vigilantes that go out and try to shoot judges. You're just going to look crazy. You're going to kill a bad judge if you get lucky. And, 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 and they're just going to replace them with another corrupt judge, and you're not going to get anywhere. It's not going to do any good. You're only going to harm yourself. Learn how to fight. Learn how to do a remonstrance. And, and if it, who you present that remonstrance does not perform their duty, then you do a writ of mandamus against them. And if you have to, like me, take it to the Supreme Court of the United States, to the United States Congress, and to President Trump. And say government is okay, a Republican in character. What is uh, a, let what me is interject a, a couple of quick points. Go ahead, okay. Marty, finish your point. I just wondered what a, a writ of mandamus is. Yeah, go ahead and answer that, John. Uh, what is a writ of mandamus? Uh, uh, man, uh, mandate, mandamus is Latin. Uh, it's mandate. Uh, perform your duty. So. Uh, members of the House have a duty to uphold the Constitution, uh, and they have a duty under their rules of order and under the United States Constitution to file a remonstrance with the clerk of their respective House. Uh, if if any government official has a duty, and, and you see that, you know, shall do this, when they use the word shall, that establishes a duty, or if they swore an oath to uphold the Constitution – that is the highest level of duty. And so a mandamus is going into a court of equity, not a court of law, a court of equity. In Tennessee, that's our chancery courts. You go to a court of equity and you say, uh, this, this state official uh, has a duty. Here's what the duty is. They are not performing their duty. And I want you to issue a writ of mandamus against them uh, to perform their duty. You can't tell them how to decide, uh, but what you can do is tell them that they have to perform their duty. They have to tell me yes or no. And that is also in the, in the Constitution. It's in the Tennessee Constitution, Article 6. Uh, I don't know which one. Uh, it's in well, you're Article 6, for that. Section 12. Okay. I found it. Article uh, 6, Section 12. All writs okay. and other processes shall run in the name of the state of Tennessee at their test and be signed by the respective clerks. Indictments shall conclude against the peace and dignity of the state. Okay. Uh, so, um, one, so you one, go in, one thing you, do on a, the, you do a... Yeah. The word shall. Um, at first it was the word may, and the, the Supreme Court interpreted that to mean they could or they couldn't at their discretion. So the word became shall, and that was considered a direct command. The Supreme Court came back again here five, six years ago and said, uh, no, that really means you can or you can't, you know, at your own discretion. So now the word that has to be used as a direct command is must. And you must do this. Uh, and here, this is another thing in this, well, too. That's... I, 
I don't know what the Supreme Court is supposed to be doing, but I think they're absolutely worthless. I think it should be disbanded and done away with as it stands. But that's just me. Oh, the, well, yeah, but you know, no, the Supreme Court of the United States is absolutely corrupt. Uh, the corruption yes. that's happening in the state and lower courts could not occur if the Supreme Court of the United States was performing their duties, and they are not. Uh, they will not hear cases against judges or attorneys. Uh, the, the Supreme Court of the United States aids and abets rights violations, and they are criminals cr- protecting criminals, just like these unconstitutional judicial oversight agencies. Uh, and I, I have no qualms in saying that. It's pretty easily proven uh, in my own cases uh, presented to the Supreme Court myself that they are, they are absolutely corrupt. Uh, Justice wow. Gorsuch, uh, uh, Senator Sass, he's not too smart, I guess, uh, that he quoted, it was in the New York Times, he quoted, it, he quoted uh, Gorsuch, and he said, any attack or criticism of any judge is, is an attack or criticism on all the brothers and sisters of the road. Uh, so oh. it, clearly, it's a brother, clearly it's a brotherhood. And, and if, yes. you, if you just criticize a judge, that's an attack on all the brothers and sisters of the road. And that's how the Supreme oh. Court looks at this. According, oh, according to them, if you're attacking one yeah. judge, you're attacking all of them. If you criticize one judge, you're criticizing all of them. And that's how they that, – that's their, that's their perception, and that's how they shut people up. That's why they deny justice. If you're, if you're going after an attorney or a judge – um, you're attacking all of them because, and, yeah. and there's good reason for that for them. You know, once you break through on a judge, then that opens all of them, and they're all all judges are 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 at, at some point they act criminally, and the fact that they all know that all this is going on and don't do anything about it, I indict them all, the entire judiciary, from the lowest yeah. court yep. to the highest court. If they hold the title of chancellor or judge, they are all corrupt. They all, yep. they all aid and abet rights violations. Okay, I have another question here, John, and people want you to explain what the difference is or why some courts are called chancery. What is that supposed to mean? The, the chancery courts are courts of equity. Uh, and they typically uh, involve business dealings uh, and, and, and complicated matters like that. Uh, courts of law, uh, which are the, uh, the circuit courts and the district courts, uh, courts of law are, are where you handle criminal matters and, and where you handle civil torts, libel, um, slander, uh, frauds, constructive frauds. Those go to those go to circuit and, and, and district courts. Chancery courts are courts okay. of equity, uh, and so uh, you know equity mostly has to do with 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 corporate or business dealings, uh, but it's also you know where you file uh, man you know <laughs> petitions for writ of mandamus for a government official to perform their duty. You do that in chancery courts, and so if you you know okay. if you're in your respective state, you just go to the chancery court website. And most of them will say the type of, of suit lawsuits that they will hear. So courts of law, torts, criminal, chancery, uh, courts of equity, business dealings, mandamuses, and, and, and various other similar torts to that. And then, you know, then we have our courts of justice in our legislative houses. 
All right, I'm going to interject for about five or six minutes here because I need to cover some of the areas that you guys have been covered. Um, but I think you all would just be interesting to know that I've tried to tag both of you to this show on Facebook. And while it will permit me to tag my name and it will permit me to tag other people's names, it will not permit me to tag either you, Marty Oakley, or you, John Gentry. So be aware of that. Oh, jeez. Okay. If you folks don't realize the amount of censorship that's going on these days, I'm here to tell you it's real. Now, the point I want to make, uh, I need about four or five minutes here. First of all, your average quote-unquote clerk masquerading as a judge, and that's what I call them, are ministerial judicial administrators. Okay, it is an administrative tribunal. It is not a court of justice. Okay, the word attorney, that is an international shipping clerk, according to an 1801 document. All right. The word attorney and the word lawyer are not synonymous with each other. The word lawyer actually means the lawmaker. Okay? That's why you will never hear an attorney in a kangaroo court call themselves a lawyer. Now, that really annoys them when I call myself a lawyer in their kangaroo courts. Not that I care, because I call these clerks masquerading as judges by their first names, and I go out of my way to piss them off, by the way, but that's again for another day. Remember, folks, a bar card is a union dues card a union dues card to practice quote-unquote law, but it is not a license to practice law. And again, they play these silly little games, word games with you. They'll say, do you have a place or license to practice law? And I always come back because, you, you know, I always meet these new ones who don't know who I am, and I throw it right back in their face. I say no, and I'd like to remind you, you don't either. All you have is a union dues card. It pisses them off, but again, John goes a different route. Me, I'm prepared to go to jail for what I believe in and fight for what I believe in, okay? Now, these people with their uh, black robes are supposed to take an oath of office to the Constitution of the state and to the United States Corporation's Constitution. doesn't mean they even take it. You can ask for it to be put into the file, and you can actually state, I am holding you to your oath of office. Not that it matters, but the point is, this is some of the power that we need to remind ourselves that we have. The word shall has been construed to mean sometime in the future. I shall at some point go out and mow my lawn. I shall at some point go to dinner. Again, this is a foreign language, people. It is called legalese. Now, it sounds like it's English. It's not. And even they will tell you, get yourself a foreign language interpreter. Their own paperwork says that. Okay? Their paperwork says that. Now, with regards to Chancery Courts, John is very much correct. It is a court of equity. Okay? But here's the thing. Equity became the subject matter after the 1933 bankruptcy with the United States Corporation, and that's also when they stole the gold from the American people. So once you got to that point and this thing called a Federal Reserve Note, which is a negotiable debt instrument only, uh, and you can even search that into 12 United States Code 411, they had to go to a brand new system. And this court of equity, equity just means that. What is equitable? They have, these uh, clerks masquerading as judges, have what is called judicial discretion. Judicial discretion. And in my paperwork specifically, I don't give them permission to exercise it. And just like John Gentry does, in my paperwork that I file, it has 132 felonies, felonies committed every single day by agents of government, including the guy there or the woman there in the black robe. Okay? So 
I'm holding their feet to the fire. The difference between legal and lawful, the way I like to describe it is this. In Nazi Germany, it was very much legal to murder people. After the war, when the Allies showed up, an awful lot of these people that had committed war crimes discovered, well, it may have been legal, but it wasn't lawful. So they were put up against the wall and shot or hung after they were tried for the crimes. Okay? Justice delayed is justice denied. Again, half of what these people do is judicial discretion. Oh, this court case, uh-uh, for whatever reason, we're throwing it out. You can't get past the state one. Okay? Now, if you know how to play the game and you can hold them accountable, you can go farther. And, again, John is right on here. He has been spectacular. But here's my thing with John and the Supreme Court. My friend, I wish you the very best in getting there, but you actually have to be a bar member to show up there. And I don't think they're ever going to look at your paperwork. As much as I want them to, as much as the American people need them to, I don't see it happening because they do not want people like us. Remember, when you're a member of the bar, your first allegiance is to the court. That's other bar members and the guy in the black road. Your second allegiance is to the public. That's not you and me, ladies and gentlemen. That's the corporations masquerading as government. And here's number three that nobody knows. The attorney has no obligation to their client. Let me say that again. The attorney has no obligation to his client. So if they want your attorney to throw you under the bus, they will. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Back to you, John. Keep up the good work. Uh, I want to hit. I want to hit a, a couple of, of. I want to respond to that. So, attorney versus lawyer. The the root word uh, for attorney is to a torn, and that is to a torn is to transfer property from one person to another. Uh, a lawyer is knowledgeable in law, and the supreme law is our is our state and federal constitutions. When I uh, just as as a, a personal preference, when I use the word attorney describing somebody, it means I have no respect for them. There are very few people licensed to practice law uh, that I will refer to as a lawyer. Actually, there is not a single person who is licensed to practice law that I refer to as a lawyer. They're all attorneys, and all they do is transfer property from one person to another, and, and mostly to themselves. Uh, as far as your first thing about tagging, uh, I, I, will, I will tell you, I advertise heavily through Facebook, and Facebook has been so supportive that they have even called me and given me classes on how to better advertise. And uh, they, there is only one post that I have done uh, exposing child trafficking through foster care that Facebook would not advertise for me. Uh, I did one against mass mandates. They tried to shut it down, and I said, I'm making a constitutional argument here. Are you going to shut this down? Uh, they would not push my post. I appealed it, and eventually uh, they pushed my post. But it, but it's, it, So Facebook does not, does, does not suppress me in any way, I don't think. Uh, and especially because I'm reaching 750,000 people in Tennessee alone, uh, they're not they're not suppressing me because I argue the Constitution 
All of my writing <laughs> is my own original writing, and it is based on constitutional argument and based on facts, and they do not oppress that. Uh, as far as tagging, for me personally, as you have to be a Facebook friend of mine uh, to tag my personal name. Uh, you can tag me at Gentry for the people and, or, or John Gentry candidate for state senate. Uh, anybody can tag me, John Gentry candidate for state senate. Um, you made a mention about, you know, you stand and fight and, and I acquiesce, I think is, is something what you said. Um, there are, I don't think there's anybody that fights uh, as hard as I do um, in, in exposing the corruption out there. I write posts and, and I push them, advertise them on social media, calling out corrupt judges. I do not fear them. Uh, I put myself at great risk in this work. Uh, I will die. I served eight years as a Force Recon Marine. I've already put myself in harm's way as a Marine, and I continue to put myself in, in harm's way today. Uh, legal versus lawful, uh, how I address this, and, and you, I think you'll, you know, if you're in there, uh, obviously you're a fighter like I am. Um, what I do you know, when, when they have legal authority to do something, you're right. That doesn't mean that it's lawful. And what I do is I challenge the statutes. And they've got trickery built into the statutes in Tennessee that says if you're challenging the constitutionality, you have to notice the Office of Attorney General. And if you don't notice the Office of Attorney General when you're challenging the constitutionality of a state statute, then the, then, then the circuit or trial or chancery courts don't even have to consider whether it is constitutional or not. So uh, when something is not lawful, I, I file notice and I put it on my certificate of service that I'm challenging um, a state statute as unconstitutional. I'm doing that right now uh, with several statutes uh, as well as, as Tennessee Supreme Court rules as well as House and Senate rules of order, I am I am challenging uh, them in 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 the Court of Appeals right now, and very shortly in the Tennessee Supreme Court, and of course the Attorney General uh, is counsel, and so they're automatically being notified. And I cite that state statute saying that the Office of Attorney General has been properly noticed, you know, pursuant to TCA whatever. The, you know, going to the Supreme Court, uh, just as an example, uh, the case with the cake decorator that didn't want to make a cake for, for a, a homosexual wedding, that case had tremendous publicity. And so the Supreme Court heard that case and, and decided that um, when I go to the Supreme Court, I'm going to be challenging uh, state and uh, state statutes as well as uh, Supreme Court rules of order or Supreme Court rules uh, as well as House and Senate rules of order. Uh, I don't think the Supreme Court can say, oh, we're just not going to hear whether state statute is constitutional or not. I don't, I don't think that the, the Supreme Court is going to look pretty stupid saying, well, we don't want to hear. Uh, we're not going to grant certiorari in this case because uh, it's not important. That's the fundamental purpose of the Supreme Court is to ensure constitutionality of our state government. And I will publish that. I will push it across the entire country 
I will spend every penny in my pocket. If the Supreme Court won't uh, hear that, I will push it out across the state that the Supreme Court is abrogating their fundamental jurisdiction to determine uh, the the constitutionality of state statute. Uh, And I think with the publicity that I have, uh, I think the Supreme Court is going to have a really hard time not granting certiorari to me. And in another case uh, against a judge, three years after the crime against me, the judge sent me a check and it says, uh, oh, uh, well, what happened is he extorted me under color of law. And I, was, I had a case pending in the Supreme Court of the United States. And while that case was pending, the judge sent me a check three years later the fact that he sent me a check three years after he committed that crime, he was scared that that case was going to get heard in the Supreme Court of the United States with myself as a self-represented litigant. He would not have sent that money to me if he didn't think there was a chance that that case was going to be granted review. Um, So I think think that the, the Supreme Court will hear it. But essential to all of this, you know, you guys, you guys, I, I, I think you recognize more than anybody out there the validity of my arguments that the, the, these judicial oversight agencies are unconstitutional and they're not doing their job. I think you recognize, you know, the importance of the right of, of remonstrance. Um, but without, you know, even though I have perfect arguments, even though the law, the supreme law, is on my side, I would be ignored except for the fact that I have public support, that I have, you know, almost a million people in Tennessee alone. And, I, you know, I mean, I have a large following in the U.K., Australia, uh, and in Canada, and across this nation. Uh, so when, when I'm out there, I have, I have, large, I have large-scale public support. And I was able to accomplish that by, by adding validity to myself, by announcing myself as a candidate for office. And being a candidate for office allows me to advertise on social media on, 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 on politics or social, social issues. How you get heard in the public is by becoming a candidate for office. So then you can advertise and talk about corruption. If you're just a citizen and you try to post about social and political issues, they will oppress it. But if you're a candidate for office, they have to push it. And uh, when I set up my Facebook page, my candidate page, not my personal page, my candidate page, I had to send Facebook a copy of my passport, uh, my driver's license, and a copy of my election papers from the election commission that I am, in fact, a candidate for office. And when I did that, then they had to validate my home address, and they sent me an alphanumeric code to my home. And then I had to enter that code into Facebook, and then they allowed me to advertise. So they, you know, Facebook, and I think that's a good thing. That prevents, you know, Russian meddling and all of that stuff. I don't mind jumping through hoops like that. I think it's a good thing that they're making sure that, that foreign entities are not interfering in our election process. Uh, but what that does now is, is because I went through all of that validation, I can post and advertise 
social and political issues, and 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 Facebook will not oppress me on that. And if they do, if 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 I feel like I'm seriously oppressed, I'll sue them. And and you know, being a self-represented person, you know, Facebook's going to spend a million dollars fighting me. But they don't, I don't have to worry about it because they they look, they post everything. I'm I'm very very content with how Facebook has pushed my advertising out there and gotten word to the people, even when I'm posting, you know, proposed articles of impeachment against judges, even when I'm saying that, that the deputy attorney general has falsified evidence, uh, you know, when I'm going after these guys, Facebook still pushes it out there. So, that's what I suggest for people is if you want to get the word out about the corruption that's going on, just pick anything, man. Pick being a, a, a county commissioner or a house representative or something. Who cares about winning? What, what protects me is federal election law. I can talk about corruption, and there ain't a damn thing they can do about it. Uh, so that's where I encourage people is, is run for office. And, and and that's going to allow you, you know, first of all, if you're running for office, people are going to look to you with more respect, that you're not just a disgruntled litigant, uh, you're not just an unhappy citizen, you're a person out there that's fighting to make change and you're running for office to do it, and that's going to give you a whole lot more validity in the eyes of the public, Uh and and that's what we that's what we need because if we don't have good citizens running for office, just expect more of the same because you're just going to get the criminals and the corrupt people are going to be the ones running for office. So until we get fine up outstanding citizens running for office, you can just expect more of the same. John, we're running out of time quick. So if you've got anything else to add, uh, now would be the time to do it, including your website. Um, how people can help support you in your campaign, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I, I'm just grateful uh, to the people taking time to, to listen to this conversation, uh, the, the people engaging in this conversation. We are patriots, uh, uh, and we care very deeply about this republic. And, you know, if we're if we're going to restore this republic, we have to restore the right of remonstrance. We have to restore judicial accountability. Uh, if you want to learn more about my work, uh, go to my website. It's We the People, V as in Victor, five zero, the number five, the number zero dot com. We the People, V five zero dot com, and all of my social media links are on the home page of my website. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, and I'm very prolific on 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 social media, on Facebook, and uh, you can learn about the work that I'm doing. But I, I I I will state this without hesitation: my work is as profound as when the founders declared independence and wrote the Declaration of Independence. That's how important my work is. I, I'm I'm fighting for the same things that they did, and you know we're going to win this fight uh, with calm demeanor. Uh, rational argument and and with love of our fellow man and and we're going to do it with a lot of citizens standing together lawfully and peacefully we're going to restore the republic so thank thank everybody for listening uh the hosts on here thank you guys so much for the conversation tonight uh i really appreciate the time uh spreading the word out there 
want to thank you for being our guest. I had to ask John about having you on. I, I assumed he was familiar with you, and he jumped at the chance. And, it, you know, the thing is you have a way of explaining things so people can understand it. Uh, too many people get involved in these things, and the next thing you know, they're trying to speak legalese so that I guess maybe they sound educated. I don't know. Um, but they lose their audience, and you've managed to maintain the audience uh, because you can understand what you're saying. You're presenting it in a reasonable, rational, understandable way. Um, I would give anything at some point in the future when you're speaking to, like, the Tennessee legislators to be there just to watch um <laughs> someday i'm going to do that too and uh but i like i say my big is what are these people's response and what are they doing about it have have you gotten any indicator they're moving on this going to do anything about oh, it oh there's there is no doubt in my mind that action is being taken because of the work that i'm doing uh, you know, I I I stood in I stood in, in another uh, committee hearing back in I think it was in January, and, uh-huh. and I said uh, if if you don't understand the provisions of the Constitution that you swore to uphold, you're not fit for office. A high school student can understand what is an office of trust, and your continued feigned ignorance is treason to the Constitution. And it's violation of your oaths of office. Now they still vote wow. against me, but oh, I don't take. I tell them straight up. I do. I I have no fear when I walk in there uh, because I know the law is on my side. And I and as a candidate for office, they can't charge me with contempt of Congress or contempt of the General Assembly or contempt of these corrupt judges I go after. I dare them. Because I will get in front of a jury and I will crush them in a courtroom. I have no fear of these guys. And and even if I I'm willing to give my life, I'm willing to go to jail. I am not afraid. You know, I I swore an oath to defend the Constitution. And I'm sticking to my oath. But are they taking action? When I filed my remonstrance, they reconstituted the Board of Judicial Conduct, and what that means, they got rid of two corrupt members, Timothy Dicenza and Judge Chris Chris Kraft. Those two were the worst criminals protecting criminals, and I hope they get to hear this, and I dare them to come after me with a libel or slander suit. Uh, but um, uh, those two corrupt members of the Tennessee Board of Judicial Conduct were removed from office, and they uh, added, uh, I think, about six positions to the Board of Judicial Conduct uh, a couple appointed by the governor, a couple appointed by the speakers of both houses that are not judges, uh, that are not attorneys, that they appointed to the Board of Judicial Conduct. Uh, it was lip service, um, but they, they reconstituted it. And now, with the last testimony, they are seriously looking at abolishing this agency. And, and in, in committee hearing, they said, we're going to be looking every month. Uh, and I had uh, Representative Coffey. God bless that man. He's like, what can we do? How do we fix this? What do you want us to do? And I said, well, I want drug tests for judges. I want live stream recorded court proceedings so that the people can show you the corruption that's going on. Uh, I want people advised of what their right of due process is. And if you don't want people to know what their rights are, that means you want to be able to violate their rights. 
And uh, but they are they are taking action. They are looking at this seriously. I am not going to accept anything but reform of our judiciary and the restoration of justice to our courts. And I am not going to stop. You know, I've got a petition of rehearing that's due in about eight days here uh, in the Tennessee Court of Appeals. And if they still tell me no, I'm going to the Tennessee Supreme Court. And if the Tennessee Supreme Court tells me no, then I'm going to do a remonstrance to President Trump and to the United States Congress uh, making a guarantee demand under Article 4, Section 4. And if Trump doesn't do his job, I'm going to file a writ of mandamus against him in federal court. Uh, I am not going to stop. And in the meantime, I'm going to gather citizens beside me. And if I exhaust all remedy at the state and federal government, if I cannot get remedy through President Trump and I cannot get remedy through the United States Congress, uh, then I will form a militia. And I will reach out to law enforcement and say, we are going to apprehend judges and legislators, and uh, you can stand against this or you can uphold the Constitution. Pick one. Uh, I am not going to stop. We are going to restore this republic. I am working on doing it lawfully and peacefully. Uh, but if they are going to violate the Constitution and nobody in federal or state government will do anything, then we are left with no alternative. And it is my right to do that in the Tennessee Constitution, Article 1, Section 1. Citizens have a right to reform, alter, or abolish in such manner as they think proper and let them come after me for insurrection. I will prove my case in front of a jury. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, wow. um, I want to interject one other thing real quick. Um, in the state of Tennessee, the Corporate Charter Constitution, Article 1, Sections 1 and 2, Declaration of Rights, Section 1, that all power is inherent in the people and all free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for their peace, safety, and happiness. For the advancement of those ends, they have at all times an unalienable and indefeasible right to alter reform, abolish the government in such matters they may think proper. Section 2, that government being instituted for the common benefit, the doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been John Gentry of We the People V50 States, We the People V50.com. Please support this man. He is carrying the battle where it needs to be going. Back to you, Marty. This has just been a stellar show. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on, John. This was quite an education. And, you know, just when I'm sitting back thinking, well, I pretty well got things squared away, I find out I don't. (laughs) So now I have something to do. Um, But this is just, if we can do anything to help support you, um, get your messages out, whatever, please let us know. We'll be glad to to help in that area. Um, again, just thank you for coming on. This has been quite an experience. And uh, like I say, you one know, of these days, I want to be in the in there when you're talking to these politi- politicians. I really would like to just be there to watch them. Go ahead. You know, it it all, it only takes a spark to get a fire going, and 
and mm-hmm. I I hope that I, I hope that on that spark that every citizen that we educate about our discussion tonight uh, that that spark turns into a fire, and it would be know, wonderful. You. you you cannot con- there is nobody that can debate the arguments that I'm making about the unconstitutionality of our state governments. Nobody can debate me. I challenge any judge, any legislature, any legislator, any attorney to debate me on, on these facts. And uh, each citizen that we educate, and so you ask what can, what can you guys do, is, is learn about my work. You know, take, there's a video on my YouTube channel. It's called Paid For in Blood, uh, Betrayed, Must Be Restored. And it's about the right of remonstrance that goes through the entire history. Learn about that right. You know, watch that video. I go into the, to the archives and I show you how government oppresses this, this most powerful of our constitutional rights. You know, learn about how these, these judicial oversight agencies are unconstitutional and take that word to the people because the people can understand a government that is acting in violation of its constitution and they understand that when a government is acting in violation of the constitution uh, that it's tyrannical and oppressive of the people. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's a message that the people can understand and get behind. It's not about right. politics. It's about it's about our right. form of, rep- of government. It's about our republic, and people can get that. Okay. And so, spread the word. And every citizen okay. that you educate about this is another spark. And so, we get a spark in whatever state you're in. We get a spark in in Missouri and Oklahoma, and pretty soon it's going to be an inferno. And and the whisper yeah. of our voices right now is going to become a thunderous war that these idiots in office cannot ignore. And, and that's yeah. what's happening in Tennessee is, is the whisper of my voice is amplified by thousands and thousands of citizens that are standing with me, that are, okay. that are taking time to, to call you know, their representatives and tell their representatives, right. get behind John Gentry. Okay, we're out of time here. Uh, again, thank you for being our guest, and keep in touch and let us know how we can help you. To everyone who tuned in, thank you. appreciate very much, and the people who sent their questions. We'll be back next Monday night with a new topic. In the meantime, stay tuned. There's more coming on all of this. Good night, everyone.